Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Two weeks in a row. Well, two? Are we up to three? No. Just two? Two. Because the week before, you, you decided to go to Wisconsin and the land of the plague. But I didn't bring the plague back with me. We think. We don't know for sure. Are we going to have a show next week? Um, depends on whether or not you brought the plague back with you. <laughs> no? You know, I can't help it. Actually, no. We are not going to have a show next week because <laughs> you're going to a different land of the plague. I cannot help it if people want to see me and they don't want to see you. Actually, we, we might try. It depends on what time. Because you're coming, you're driving back Saturday. Correct. So we might actually do a show Sunday. Wait and see. It, if you least expect it, there might actually be a show. We make no promises. <laughs> but then again, we haven't made promises this whole season because we didn't yeah, know I what know. the heck we were going to be able to do. Air. You know, thanks, Corona. Yeah, all up in the air. All right, so... We are actually going to start... With some IndyCar news. We have we, we have not looked at IndyCar. We haven't talked about IndyCar all that much this year. But they had a season too. They did have a season. Um, their season, actually, I don't think it's quite over yet. They should be closing in on the end of their season because they wrap in September, typically. Yeah, but I don't know where they are. I, we have not <clears throat> followed them at all. But they did have a race today. I just haven't heard the results yet. Well, um... Somebody won. Oh, it was the Harvest GP. Yes. Was today. Um, Will Power won. And I guess they are not done with the season yet because... Oh, St. Petersburg is next, October 25th. And that looks like the end of the that's season. The, that's the final race of the season. Scott Dixon is in the lead but has not won the title yet. Okay. So it's going to come down to the last race for them. Where is our boy? Uh, Renus. Uh, Rossi. Uh, Rossi is... This has not been a good year for him. Oh. Uh, he is down in ninth. Any F1 person between Rossi and first? Um, Patricio Award is in fifth. Okay. Takuma Sato in seventh. All right. That's what we got. So, but that's not what you really wanted to that, talk about. That's not where I was headed. Actually, IndyCar has announced their 2021 uh, calendar. They're going to have one. They're, that's their goal, is that they want to have a race this year. Or, or a season next year, I should say. That's okay. Um, we'll see what actually happens. Uh, so, you know, at this point, I guess we could call it aspirational. <laughs> <laughs> F1 hasn't even produced an aspirational calendar yet. So, yeah. The, so the IndyCar calen- aspirational calendar for 2021 will be just 17 races. Okay. Um, will be in the U.S. Um, nine races will be on NBC. Okay. Um, will open with the traditional season opener on March 7th in St. Petersburg assuming things happen because remember we didn't have the opening this year right uh from there they go to barber motorsports park uh long beach and then back to back at the texas motor speedway 
What's significant about that, though, not just the fact that they're back-to-back at Texas Motor Speedway, but despite the fact that, I guess, it got rave reviews, IndyCar is not returning to Coda. Oh, that's interesting. My understanding was the fans liked it, the drivers loved it, and IndyCar is not going back to Coda. Instead, they're getting two races at Texas Motor Speedway, which, by the way, Texas Motor Speedway did not like the fact that Coda got put on the calendar. Interesting. Yeah. They they had issues. And I think we mentioned this mm-hmm. last year or the year before. Um, but uh, then May is, in theory, uh, two races in Indianapolis. One on a road course. One is the Indy 500. Uh, June 12th and 13th, which means they've pushed it back, uh, is the two races in Detroit. Um, then they're coming June 20th to Road America. Interesting. So we may try and actually do Well, that are they actually. doing fans? Have we? Do we know if they're going to have fans? We yet? don't know. Every, every Again, aspirational calendar. So aspirationally, yes, they will have fans. Okay. How's that? Well, aspirationally, I will <clears throat> see what it would take to get us hotel accommodations. Okay. Aspirationally. Aspirationally. <laughs> um, and then, actually, moving it up a couple of weeks, the weekend of July 4th, IndyCar is going to mid-Ohio. No. Normally, it's the end of Ohio, or, or mid to late July. Yeah, it used to be the last weekend in July. Yeah. Which was guaranteed to be surface of the sun hot. Yeah. And well, July 4th may be just as hot. And since it's in the middle of nowhere, it's middle of nowhere in surface of the sun hot. Yeah. Well, from mid-Ohio, then they go to Toronto July 11th. And then um, IndyCar is headed for the first time ever to the straight streets of Nashville. Interesting. Um, I have seen the map, the, the track layout, the proposed layout. Um, it's going to have a run across the river, both directions across the river at, at some point. Honestly, I looked at it, and as much as I saw a lot of journalists were like, yeah, this looks cool, this re- looks really exciting, I'm looking at this and I'm going... This looks a whole lot like the stupid layout in Miami that Formula One proposed that everybody th- said was going to suck. Mm. So I don't know why this would be any better for IndyCar. But very similar, lots of long straightaways into a bunch of 90-degree turns. Okay, but also remember, IndyCar likes to do ovals too. And that, uh, yeah. Formula One won't do an oval, so well, until Bahrain. So anyway, after Nashville, they go back to Indianapolis for another run on the road course, mm-hmm. uh, then St. Louis, then Portland, and we'll end at Laguna Seca. Got it. Uh, the other bit of IndyCar news, yes. and this is, this is our tie-in, mm. um, Liberty Media has purchased a minority stake in Meyer Shank Racing. Um, Meyer Shank runs both IMSA and this year became a full-time team for the first time with just one car in the series. Interesting. Now, you kind of wonder why. Um, It turns out that Liberty Media also owns a 70% stake in Sirius XM Radio. Interesting. Sirius XM has been a long-term sponsor of Meyer Shank Racing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So now that starts to make a little bit more sense as to why they potentially bought into this. Okay. So it's, you know, the investor of my investor. Something like that. Now, we, we don't, I, I don't think that this is an indication that 
um, Liberty Media is going to have a deeper stake in the operation of IndyCar. Remember, Roger Penske bought it. Um, and I can't imagine that Roger's going to sell it just yet. Yeah. No, no. I'm sure it's going to stay Roger for a while. Yeah. We'll see. So, yeah. Now, we predicted, after last weekend's boring and dull race, we predicted that Lewis Hamilton was going to back down from his allegations that the stewards are against him. And he, of course, naturally did that from the naughty step at Mercedes, right? Nope. Oh. Nope. So that is the shocking news that we have this week, right? Actually, well, that might be for you. (laughs) What kind of surprised me was Mercedes coming out and going, yeah, actually, we weren't really surprised that Lewis got a penalty for his uh, practice starts. So the way... Andrew Shevlin relayed this. And the way this came down, we've got a a bit more information about this. So Lewis radioed back to the team about going further down the track. And and that audio kind of was heard during the the Sky Sports coverage, although I think they walked over it, so we didn't really get to hear it. Um, But Lewis radioed to, to the team and asked if he could move further down the track to, to start his pit starts or his practice starts. And he was told yes. But I guess the team didn't really know where Lewis went. Oh. So the spot, so the video that we saw in the Sky Sports coverage, that was not the first practice start. That was the second. So Lewis went there the first time, caught the camera crew's attention as he was flying away. So they were watching when he came back and did it the second time. Got it. So that's how they, and and Mercedes and and Andrew Shevlin over at Mercedes says, yeah, if we had known he had gone that far down, we would have stopped him. But we had no idea because it was out of camera coverage. and, And obviously they're at the far end of the pit lane compared to where they were doing the practice starts. Um, because there was no camera coverage, we didn't know he was that far down the pit lane until the second stop when the cameras caught him doing it. And by then it was too late. Got it. So they weren't exactly surprised. Now they still go back to, it doesn't really say where we should have been. And, you know, it was kind of, it, it, it was a safe area. I, I don't quite agree with that. Mm. Um, and of course, Michael Mossy's come out and said, no, we're not trying to hold back Lewis. That's stupid. And they're not. I mean, I, I'm i a huge Lewis fan and all of those things, but I don't see them actually trying to hold him back. The reality is you weren't in the practice start box. Get over it. Yeah. You probably did the most exciting thing that happened during that race. So let's, like, move on with our lives. Yeah. Um, so the other news, because there really was not a lot happening this week. The other news, and this was actually pretty big this was huge honda announced this week that they will be departing formula one at the end of the 2021 season i'm really actually surprised by this they had just started to see some success with Mm -hmm. red bull i thought that partnership was going well red bull wasn't trash talking them it sounded like it was 
you know. They had race wins, and, and yes, they, they were not challenging for the championship. They had race wins. There was positive press. This was not Fernando Alonso running around screaming GP2 engine. I know. Um, I mean, they had a good, good partnership, a positive partnership, mm-hmm. which honestly, if we get really serious for F, uh, for Red Bull to have a positive partnership <laughs> with a vendor, I mean, I thought things were pretty good. Yeah. So Honda says that uh, the huge costs involved in moving the road car business towards a carbon neutral future and i guess they want to be carbon neutral by like 2035 or something like that oh, wow. um, that means they want to push more to electric vehicles um, they want to push more to hybrids they in turn all of those costs plus the fact that they have not won a championship which honestly i'm sorry you weren't in long enough to realistically think that you had a chance of winning a championship winning races is huge and that's a massive accomplishment but a championship is kind of especially since you're going to be second Mm -hmm. i mean everyone expected you were going to continue to crash and burn when you moved over to red bull and that didn't happen exactly exactly i mean you moved up massively with the move to red bull Mm -hmm. so a lot of questions come into play now Question number one, obviously the easy one is, well, what does this mean for Alpha Tori and Red Bull? Well, what we know at this point is, well, let's start with, they both signed a Concord Agreement. Mm -hmm. And both teams, both France Toast and, um, not France Toast. Yeah, France Toast. Yes, and Christian Horner. Yes. Uh, France Toast and, and Christian Horner uh, have stated that they will remain in the sport. They are dedicated to the sport for the time being, and they are not leaving. Excellent. Good to hear. Um, they just will have to have a set of gerbils for an engine? Well, there's a couple of things. So I don't believe that Mercedes has the capacity to take on another team. I don't think they could. They are... They have the most customer teams of any on the grid. Mm-hmm. So there, there's plenty, as much as both Red Bull and Alpha Tori have partnered with um, Ferrari in the past, there's no good reason to do so now. Mm. Never mind the fact of, as you recall, before they went to Honda, after they dumped Renault the last time, um, Ferrari said, we don't want to supply them engines. Because they're too much of a competitor. Right. Which leaves Renault, which has no customers. Which, by the rules, if, Renault, uh, with, if Red Bull is without a engine, Renault has to supply right. them. And you remember, that rule was passed because Red Bull quit Renault and then everyone said, not me. Yeah. We're not giving you an engine. Why would we give you an engine? Yeah. Why Why do we want to put up with the crap that you just put Renault through for the last three years? Mm-hmm. Um, so they passed a rule that said that you, you can't say, no, we're not going to supply an engine if you're the, the team with the fewest customers. And Renault has none. Um, now, Renault shockingly has said, well, sure, we'll supply engines to, to them. 
But? I don't know. Ah. Uh. Now, on one hand, yes, Renault needs the customers. Yeah. That's data points. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's huge. It's data points and it's revenue. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the reality is they need the, the customer teams to help underwrite the program. Right. So there's that. Then there's, we know there's a lot of bitterness and we know there's a lot of animosity there. But we also know that Cyril Abitbull's role has changed a little bit over the coming years. Yeah. I think it'll be very, very interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, right the second Red Bull is without an engine, will will they work out a deal? Will Ferrari step up? I mean, I know that there may not have been historic desire to have a Ferrari engine, but maybe, I mean, I don't see a reason why Mercedes would do it. But Ferrari might. You don't know. You, well, it, it, weirder things have happened. The, the other thing that we know, and we know that, well, we know a couple of things. Um, one, obviously, is for a team that is both an engine manufacturer and a constructor, there are some allowances in the cost cap because there's an understanding of there's additional engine development costs that you take on that you wouldn't have if you were a constructor by yourself. Right. So it would be in Renault's best interest to pick up customers. Well, th- but there's one other potential thought here. So Honda is walking away completely. Mm-hmm. They're walking away completely after expending billions of dollars in an engine development program that they cannot reuse anywhere else. Correct. So let's float this one out here. What if, and, and, and there, there's been, this question's been raised to Red Bull in the past. Um, knowing that Honda is walking away, can they buy all of that intellectual property around those engines and bring that in-house? So become a constructor of yet a new engine. Build your own engines. With an instant customer, so anybody else that needed an engine still would have to have a Renault engine because they would they would instantly have a customer. Only if nobody else wanted to wanted to supply the other team with engines. Right. But there's no reason to think that anybody would wander off. Now the other piece of that is engine development's expensive. It it's is. crazy expensive, which is why Red Bull has, has traditionally said, no, we don't want to do that. It's why McLaren has traditionally said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to be a works team for somebody else. Um, but you got to wonder. Now, it makes better sense, I think, for McLaren to do that, do something like that as opposed to Red Bull, since McLaren at least has a sports car business. I mean, you really can't poured over Formula One engines to energy drinks. You say that, but Rich Energy was all about it. I know. They're going to announce some new extreme sport. Some, some, some variant of the fluke tag that uses Formula One engines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> yeah, no. I don't. 
don't know what they're going to do, but I think this will be interesting. At least it'll be something for us to talk about as opposed to, you know, Mercedes wins again. There's that. So one other thing I'll throw out there. 2026 is apparently when engines are scheduled. The engine formula is scheduled to change. Okay. So you've got, and, and you know, I, I should even back up before I even get to that point. So Honda has announced that they're pulling out of Formula One. And they're doing it because they want to refocus to be more carbon neutral, electric cars, all of that stuff, hybrids. But they're not pulling out of IndyCar. But that's a completely different engine division. One that has been developed and perfected and that process is completely different. It is. But still, it is internal combustion, gasoline, high-performance engines that don't translate over to much, especially if you're saying you're pushing your road car business to be eco-friendly, carbon neutral, all of those various bits and pieces that would seem to say that even the IndyCar engine is going in a different direction developmentally than you're trying to bring the rest of your business. Except that. Honda has and has for a lot of years invested heavily across IndyCar as a yeah. whole. They oh, sponsor they races. They, they're they're part of that DNA. That becomes a marketing advertising outlet for them also. And that's a developed mature program as opposed to the less mature blowing up engine program that is the <laughs> Formula One program. Yeah. That they don't. They don't have the advertising engine built into F1. They're not sponsoring a race. They're not Patronus's, yeah. you know, race sponsor level thing here. So I can see if you're going to pull out of one and keep in mind, if they're still trying to go carbon neutral, which I still don't fully understand what that means, but if they're still trying to go carbon neutral, you can greatly reduce the carbon footprint that you're trying to offset just by getting rid of Formula One. Now they only have to offset what is being produced in IndyCar. So, so that brings me to where I was going now with 2026 and the new engine model. Mm. So you think about it. There have been a lot of complaints since even before Formula One officially adopted this, the current engine formula that we have now. Uh, a lot of complaints about the cost, about the complexity, about whether or not it was the right direction to go from a road relevance perspective, all of these various bits and pieces. And Formula One went down this route anyway. Mm -hmm. And when they announced that they were going this route, they instantly lost an engine manufacturer. Caterham walked away. So mm -hmm. it didn't make any sense. We can't do this unless you abandon it. Um, they've had conversations with Porsche and Porsche ultimately walked away. They've had conversations with um, I think there was there, there was talk of somebody outside of the Volkswagen, the Volkswagen group potentially coming over that they walked away. This formula has not allowed them to attract additional manufacturers and the one manufacturer that they did manage to attract walked off. Mm -hmm. What does that say for the future of the Formula One engine format? Especially when you look at how many of the existing Formula One teams have spun up presence in Formula E? 
and in some of these other series and where they're going with their road car businesses. What does that say for our next engine? It won't be a V12. In theory. I I don't know. I mean, it seems like the world is moving towards an electric car, but there's already a series of Formula One-esque mm-hmm. that has an electric engine. So that becomes the question is, how do you further the hybrid? And Because that's where it's going to have yeah. to go, is how do you further the hybrid without crossing that line? Either that or you buy out Formula E and you transition it over. It, but I don't know if that'll even work. I don't think so because the diehards want the sound. Um, no, I don't know. And I don't think that electric becomes the pinnacle of motor racing. I mean, let's be honest. Formula One is the pinnacle of motor racing. And in that whole description is the word motor. We are going to have a carbon footprint to go motor racing. You have to. Now, if they were going to get into like truly alternate fuels, maybe that could be where they could head, but I don't know. But Formula One has been the test bed, and one of the things that makes it so cool is what you see on a Formula One car could eventually make its way down to our everyday road cars. Well, that's the hope. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well... And, and and that's been one of the big questions is nobody's looking to adapt curve systems. Nobody's looking to adapt these MGUKs and MGUHs because they're so crazy expensive. Okay. But energy recovery <clears throat> is something that did make it down to road cars. Yeah. Um, traction control. Well, that, that's where I was going to go back to. Also, remember the truly innovative stuff that we got. All Formula got 1 all banned it all. So, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That'll that'll be banned. But that's part of what's exciting about Formula One is they try different things. Now, they're not trying the six-wheel tarot, which I still think is a <laughs> bad idea. So anyway, moving forward, what is Honda going to do in their final year? The, well, they are down the road of uh, building and preparing the engine for 2021. So there will be a 2021 engine. That might give credence to your theory that they're going to sell off that division to Red Bull. Because why why do anything? Yeah. But, you know, th- this overall, I think it, it, it's not good for Formula One to lose an engine constructor and, and to not only lose an engine constructor, but really have put yourself in a position where no engine constructor in their right mind would remotely consider coming into the series. Well, that's the biggest problem. I mean, <clears throat> your sales pitch for an engine manufacturer, for a team, for anybody is you are going to spend crazy amounts of money and get not much in return. Mm-hmm. You will not break even. This will be a giant pit you throw money into. <laughs> Come join us in Formula One. Which would you rather? Come join us in Formula One or buy a boat. Either one of them is a (laughs) giant hole that you throw money into. (laughs) You know, completely off topic, but you mentioned the boat thing. From this morning's conversation, we have a friend who has a 
uh, family has a boat and they're four years into it and it's now become a money pit. Four years. Mm-hmm. It just blows me away. Giant, giant hole you throw money into. Yes. So back to motorsports. Okay. Another hole In that you throw money into? Really sleepy week. Yes. There wasn't a lot going on. Um, the the teams are saying that that the changes in the 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 travel restrictions from COVID, you know, it's great that we've got these new tracks, but they're struggling to to prepare for them. Um, in terms of simulator time, and in, in in terms of getting folks out to these tracks to try and take the measurements and and help figure out the um, car setups and things of that nature, it's becoming a challenge. So the exemptions around tr- the, the teams traveling only apply for race weekends. So if a driver needs to travel, you know, you've got drivers who live in Monaco or uh, Switzerland or wherever, if they need to go to the factory to get simulator time, they're under COVID and quarantine restrictions. They can't. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So basically what these drivers would have to do in order for them to pull this off is... Instead of going home, they'd have to go to England with the rest of the team mm-hmm. and stay there. Well, that's I don't the, think some of the drivers really want to do. Well, no, that's, I guess, why Carlos Sainz is so excited that he actually has a place in England now. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. We just have to face it. Everything's a little harder in the world of COVID. It is. Um and unfortunately, so Russia was the, the first race that we had a significant fan population. Um, however, this week there was also an up, or coming out of Russia, there was an uptick in positive cases. Okay. 10 positive cases. Okay. Um, now, everyone is saying that they don't think it was because of the increase in fans. Um, they think it was Russia. Oh, Okay. So, and, and for starters, none of the drivers, according, and, and I don't know what this means, but according to Formula One, the 10 cases were from folks who, who were ancillary personnel. I don't exactly know what that means. I'm assuming somebody who works for Formula One and not somebody who works for a team. Well, yeah, and may, possibly may, like in-country stuff. Maybe the folks who were responsible for setting up the Formula One gift shop in Chicago. Those people have never shown up. They had <laughs> COVID in 2019. Um, no, <clears throat> you know, they could be the people that have to lay down the the big grid outline where the, all the guys yeah. have to stand in their number and, you know, all the, the decal. Folks. The people. folks who were responsible for setting up the... Uh, the the place to put the the trophies and stuff like that yes um the mask picking up station yes now we do know that russia's rules around wearing masks and their restrictions are significantly lighter than everybody else's Hmm. um roman groshan in particular said that um this was the first race that he'd been at that he did not feel safe in the hotel they were staying at Oh, wow. Yeah. He said, in Russia, wearing a mask isn't mandatory. Waiters do, but don't cover their noses. There are many fans at the hotel, so we sometimes find ourselves sharing an elevator with people from outside the F1 bubble. That's not something I'm super comfortable with. 
I don't fear contracting the coronavirus for my health. I just don't want to have it because I wouldn't be allowed to go racing. I wouldn't be allowed to do my job. I'm not happy with the safety measures implemented at the hotel. Mm. But to give you an idea of what the logistics have been around their protocols, Formula One has complete, completed almost 50,000 tests since starting the new protocols at the end of June, and they've reported 26 positives since June. Wow. 50,000 tests. Well, okay. That's a lot of time to have a swab shoved up your nose to scrape the back of your skull. Well, yeah, but in contrast, our little county, mm-hmm. our county has done 80,000 tests. Yeah. Since the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, now, and admittedly, those 50,000 tests are probably on a much smaller population than our county. They are. I mean, you're talking repeat te- I mean... They get the, tested the every day. tested daily. Mm-hmm. Daily they get tested. And one of the Five Live people are like, yeah, I just test myself. Well, there's a mix of that. Depending on the track, you do it yourself or you, you, you have to have somebody do it for you. And it, it, I, I think some of it also depends on which test is being administered. Mm-hmm. So... Towards the end of the season, we go back to Bahrain. Yes. Um, that is kind of one of the new circuits, but not. Because remember, the second race will be on the outer high-speed circuit as opposed to the international circuit. The near oval with a kink. Correct. Now, while the, the organizers say that they are thrilled to be able to hold a race on the international circuit and, and the fact that they, they had the grade one certification that they could do it without any modifications to the track at all. Um, they do not want that to be the circuit that Formula One goes to. Well, it they, won't be an exciting race, so they won't. Well, there's that possibility too. Their their preference is that Formula One races on the international circuit. Um, not the least of which is because it's better for fans. Right. It's It stays more in view of their grandstands. Um, but they are working with the various technical committees at Formula One to figure out where the best places are for the cameras, where how the track needs to be, because they've never set up a track like this before how the track needs to be set up to safely accommodate the cars. You know, you don't ever think about it. You just mentioned something that really like fascinates me. And you know these weird mm-hmm. factoids fascinate me. But you don't think about the fact that, okay, yeah, the teams have to figure out how to drive these new tracks. But F1 FOM group mm-hmm. has to figure out how many cameras need to be there what are the angles that are going to work yep where do you station a photographer to do their job and Mm -hmm. when you're not used to it you don't know where the action is going to be on track how you lay out the paddock where the trucks go where the people go all of those various bits and pieces the the, all of the logistics i mean their playbook has obviously been thrown out the window Mm -hmm. i'm I'm sure Eyebrows is very happy that he's not having yeah. to do any of this this year. But it's not just that. But remember, in a normal season, because those of you are thinking, but they've gone to new tracks before. What's the big deal? In a normal season, we do maybe one new track. Right. And they have a year to prep for it. Mm-hmm. 
not four months to figure out that they're going to do Mugello. Well, what was it? Five new tracks that we've got this year or five tracks that Formula One hasn't been to in at least five years. Exactly. Yeah. I mean... I mean, they can pull out some of the some of the, the, the paperwork from Imola, but mm-hmm. it's going to change. They can pull out some of the paperwork from Turkey. Right. But that's about it. Uh, Nürburgring. We haven't been there in a long oh, time. Oh, and, and Nürburgring. You can pull out some of the paperwork from Nürburgring as well. But Portimao, never been there before. Um, Mugello, never been there before. Yeah. Never run on the high-speed ring. Yeah. The, it... it I, I don't think I had realized or thought about the fact that there is a guy that's going to have to go stand at turn two and figure out where he should point his camera mm-hmm. for what action will happen at turn two of any given track. But there's there's an art to that that they don't have any experience with. That's going to be interesting. And, and I know they spend free practices trying to figure that stuff out too, but still, it's a lot to think about. So, and yeah, short show this week because not a lot happened. We started with an aspirational calendar. And we're going to end... With an aspirational calendar. Oh. Formula One has not officially announced a calendar yet. We don't, we don't have, even have a provisional calendar yet. However... We do have word that Albert Park in Melbourne, in Australia, is still targeting March 14th, 2021 to kick off the 2021 season. I just hope that they don't wait until everybody is at the gate waiting to get in. Oh, I think they've learned that lesson. (laughs) I really hope we have a season next year. I do. I want 2020 to stand alone. Yeah. I I hope we go back to some normalcy, but I fear that it's normal is going to be a weird thing. Well, you know, from keeping the focus on Formula One, I do think that Formula One has learned a lot. And I and I'm really hopeful that we see some interesting developments in how Formula One functions, like the fact of fact of how important it is to bring in a new track to keep mm-hmm. things exciting. You know, we we I, I would say it's not worth going to Mugello every year, but maybe once every five years might be kind of cool. I think that part would be very very cool. Is and I, I know we talked about it last <clears throat> week of this kind of idea of a rotational track. But I really like this idea of having tracks that are grade one certified that get thrown into the mix Mm -hmm. on some longer, you know, it's not an every year deal. They don't go back to the same thing. So instead of having 22 races so that we can pack in all these new tracks or 25 races that they've talked about, instead do 20 races, but five of them are variable. Five of them are different. Yeah. And I, I think if Formula One could do something like that, if nothing else, it would probably encourage a lot of tracks to either attain or recertify in that grade one certification in the hope of being able to attract a one-off Formula One race every couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thought of 
Formula One going to Watkins Glen. Be kind of cool. They it shouldn't was. go to Sebring. Don't <laughs> don't bother with Sebring. It was bad every time you went there. Don't go back. But the thing is, it's being able to go to these one-off tracks like that mm-hmm. that wouldn't necessarily be able to support you for a year-in, year-out deal. But you go to Watkins Glen, you're going to pull in a lot of people for the novelty factor and that they're close. I mean, I mean, could you imagine if Formula One returned to Long Beach? Oh, my word. And Formula One's been there. Formula One was really popular there. And the IndyCar race is super popular. Or better yet, could you imagine Laguna Seca saying, yeah, this would be worth it. We should get a grade one certification. Exactly. I mean, it could be... That race would rake in the dough. But it may not be able to support it if it was year in, year out. Right. And it certainly, it definitely could. But as a a special event, mm-hmm. it would be really quite cool. I, I like it. I think that, you know, the next time I talk to Chase and... Don't bother with Chase anymore. Oh, I got to call... I need Chase to inter- introduce He's... me to Stefano. Because I have not met Stefano yet. Call Maurizio. Maurizio, Maurizio can 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 lay the foundation work for you. Maurizio Rivabeni will take care of you. You think he'll give me that warm introduction? I mean, the yeah. last time he and I talked it was a little tense. Yeah, there there was a few. Yeah, but, but time has passed. Yeah, but bring some good wine. It'll be, it'll be fine. That's true. He he was always a sucker for decent wine, and I can you know show off my new corkscrew. There you go. And on that note. We'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.